We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. everybody welcome to another year of the pro football focus show here on roto grinders and the roto grinders podcast feed uh, i am Britt divine uh back for the second year in a row which is always nice uh, on these shows to have some familiarity with your ho- co-host uh mr ian harditz uh ian uh great to have you back love doing this pff show uh you do a great job on all the stuff you do your pods your articles and um man it, it's a great day Football last night, football Sunday, football Monday. Uh, it's going to be a good year, dude. Great day. It'd be great, Britt. You almost said it yourself, man. Just got I, 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 I thought about it, but I didn't take it away from you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Remember. Yes, it's good to be back. Very entertaining first game, and we got uh, 15 more of them right on the way. So, you know, it was enough of a six-month redraft grind. Now we get to get back into week one DFS. I love it, man. Like, you know, I'm a PFF now as a road world before, but I got my start with Fantasy Labs. I still consider DFS, you know, like the most interesting of the uh, fantasy formats. So excited to see you here. Uh, what we come away with yeah so uh there's a there's a lot going on but dude football is here why don't we just jump right into this let's get back into the mismatch manifesto this is sort of your big article on pff you put together basically every week um offensive line defensive line uh pace all the sort of stuff that factors into dfs and projections and all that sort of stuff uh so i'm just going to sort of let you run with this for a little bit here uh, you put this out every week. You usually have a Twitter thread. Uh, it's usually behind the paywall, I think, at PFF. Uh, but we got it for you today, at least on the screen sharing for some of the podcast listeners as well. So let's talk about what this is. If the people missed it last year, if they're new to this show, if they're new to DFS, if they're new to fantasy football, 
who's new to fantasy football? Everyone's <laughs> playing fantasy football nowadays, but go over what it is for everybody. And then we'll jump right into how we can use this information for week one DFS. Came up with the idea, I think four years ago now. And basically I wanted to come up with one way metrics for trying to quantify mismatches in the NFL. Cause you know, it's all things that we already do. We say, Oh, this guy has the number one rushing offense. He's facing the number 32 rushing defense. That's a mismatch. I basically just add those values together so we can then compare, you know, the discrepancy in uh, teams and pressure, explosive plays, pace, run game, EPA, all these things where, again, we're getting one-way metrics instead of having to always go offense versus defense. We combined it. I put in uh, color-conditioned uh, charts where blue is good, red is bad. It used to be green is good, uh, red is bad, and I found out some of the uh, colorblind fantasy football folks were having problems with that. So made that adjustment on the year, but otherwise same principles. I will say, you know, in general for this week, it's all 2020 numbers. I, It's just tough, man, when you look at, mm-hmm. like, for Zach Wilson, do we give him his preseason numbers? Do we do the Jets last year? Do we do the 49ers last year? Because that's the offense they're going to be running. Just so many question marks about how to substitute it. It's all 2020 numbers. Britt and I will talk plenty about what's changed and stuff. But more than usual, I would just take these with a little bit of a grain of salt. But with that said, Britt, we can get into the explosive plays here. And the one that really stands out to me, again, just considering the changes, like the Houston Texans are popping in this. But as we all know, Deshaun Watson is not going to be under center not going to really be making uh you know that sort of explosive passing game happen but the one group i am loving are the minnesota vikings and this is an offense that yes they run the hell out of the ball but last year only dk metcalf and tyler lockett had a higher combined target share but you know in terms of just wide receiver one wide receiver two then justin jefferson and adam thielen no irv smith like Kirk cousins has two great receivers that should be able to have their way with a Bengals secondary who lost the number one corner and William Jackson, now a member of Washington, and Trey Waynes is also out for this week. So already a mediocre secondary that I think we should have felt good about Minnesota exploiting now might be even an even better position. And I'd also just say I'm curious to see how this Washington passing game looks. The numbers aren't looking good because Alex Smith was rarely throwing the ball more than five or six yards downfield last year. Now they got, you know, our king, YOLO, DGAF, uh, God, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick there under center. Even though Curtis Samuel's out, which hurts, I'm cautiously optimistic we see more explosive passing plays from this Washington offense this year. And, you know, man, we're always chasing that volume, and Terry McLaurin's about to have more of it than just about anyone else. Yeah, uh, so outside of the explosive plays, what else do you have in here? Uh, I'm looking at a couple other things here. It just goes on and on in your article. Uh, But one of the other things we like to talk about in DFS is pace. And again, there are some, do we use the Jets pace from last year or do we try to see what San Francisco is doing, right? So it sort of all piles in here. We had one of the better pace matchups on Thursday. That worked out if you if you played Amari Cooper, uh, RIP uh, Michael Gallup's calf for like five weeks. He's He's already out. Football is a brutal game for injuries. Um, But there is one game with a lot of pace uh, going on week two or week one. And uh, I think it's a game a lot of people are going to be targeting that uh, Tennessee, Arizona game. Yeah, we talk about sneaky shootouts sometimes. This is not one of them. Everyone knows there's going to be points flying on that scoreboard. Cardinals, Titans. Just the interesting stat I had, like last year, the top four offenses, and this is courtesy of football outsiders, in the situation neutral pace. So taken away, you know, when guys are down big, two-minute drills and all that. The top four offenses, fastest moving, were the Cardinals, 
the Titans, the Cowboys, and the Buccaneers. So we literally had the top four group into these two matchups. And yeah, I'm expecting all sorts of points in that Cardinals-Titans game. We'll talk about ways, you know, to leverage uh, some of the uh, roster ship going on with those guys. Uh, particular, my favorite GPP running back of the week, I think, is going a little bit under the radar. But that one should see plenty of points. On the other side of things, the Packers and Saints are really showing as this uh, game that might not have the usual high-scoring uh, nature just because we might see, you know, these two offenses is trying to milk the clock a little bit more than usual. I would say, people, I love Jameis Winston. He's going to be, you know, entertaining and stuff. The Jameis experience is always good. Just realize, I think a lot of people are assuming this is going to be another top 10, top 12 scoring offense in New Orleans. And it's not even just Jameis, but look at this wide receiver room. Like, okay, Callaway, Traquan Smith, they're fine, but I still think you'd be hard-pressed to name, you know, five worst overall wide receiver rooms at this point in time. And Kamara's great, but like how much can Sean Payton really do for this offense maybe a ton but we'll see like again we saw it last year with uh, cam newton and the patriots we lost brady we wondered hey is this gonna be just the same uh you know top end offense i do wonder if we're assuming that a little too much with the saints at this point and you know not gonna be the easiest matchup for them they're technically home but we'll be playing the game in florida and hey if jair alexander and particularly zadarius smith come to play this year i can see the packers having their way on this one all right a couple other stats are pressure uh, I'll tell you, you know, I've, I worked all these into some of the things we're going to talk about on the show today, but this sort of relates to when we talk about quarterbacks, if you're spending up why I like one certain quarterback over another um, on the high end today, what are some teams that can get some pressure on defense? This is good for maybe looking at quarterbacks that might be higher owned, and you might have a reason to, to sway towards someone else because they're going to be under pressure, or it could be quarterbacks that just have a clean pocket all day and that generally uh, yields some good fantasy production. Yeah, that latter point was 100% true for Tom Brady last night. I don't think that was going out on, an, on a limb to say, you know, Brady and the Bucks were sent up well against the Cowboys. Again, though, it's just nice to be able to see that quantified uh, here with some of these charts. But some other guys to note, Josh Allen is set to have the most pressure. That is in part one because of how good the Steelers pass rush is, courtesy of the now highest paid defender in the league, TJ Watt. But it's also a little bit just of Josh's style of play. If you look at the quarterbacks that had the longest average time to release last year, it's guys like Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, guys who, you know, when pressure comes, they're athletic enough to get out of the way and extend it. So I would say Josh's pressure numbers, while they're higher than a lot of quarterbacks, it's just kind of the way he plays. It's a little bit unique. I wouldn't, you know, consider fading him against the Steelers or anybody for that matter. Um, the one that I think is a little more actionable, uh, particularly when considering the prices here, Matt Ryan and Jalen Hurts. I think, you know, the Falcons defense is going to be awful chalky at 2K and you could see how it would work out here. Now, Philly's O-line will be a lot healthier in 2020 than they were in, uh, you know, last season. Uh, still though, you know, Jalen Hurts, as much as he put up some good passing numbers last year, pretty horrific from an efficiency standpoint, certainly wouldn't be surprised to see uh, some turnovers there. And then also uh, Kyler Murray's popping. and just having all day to throw. So Hopkins, you know, we all know he's going to get his regardless of the matchup, but Rondale Moore, AJ Green, even hell, maybe even Christian Kirk uh, might not be a bad idea to get some, you know, auxiliary exposure here in this game, because uh, again, Brent, I just don't know. I don't see any scenario where the Titans and Cardinals aren't combining for 50 plus this week. I need to know like the, the slot snap percentage of Moore and Christian Kirk today. Can yeah. we just have that in advance? Cause that would make DFS a lot easier this week. I, I think it's going to be more, man. He, it was ridiculous. I think he had like 11 combined carries and targets in the preseason on like 45 snaps. So yeah. 
we had to live through the Andy Isabella disappointment, but don't let, you know, yesterday's disappointments influence uh, tomorrow's Rondale explosion, hopefully. Yeah, so we covered pace, we covered pressures. Uh, let's talk about in the trenches, right? So this is sort of running backs, yards before contact from the running back and then yards um, before contact from the deep, defensive perspective. Uh, I want my running backs running as far as they can before someone's going to hit them. That makes a lot of sense here. What are some matchups we can look up in that regard? Yeah. Combined yards before contact. I get it. Some guys have better vision and that's why, you know, their stats might be a little uh, higher here, but this is running back only. So I tried to take away, uh, you know, the impact that guys like Kyler and Lamar, cause you just see those yards before contact numbers explode when it's a quarterback doing a lot of that. So with that said, uh, by far the worst matchup of the league of the week was Ezekiel Elliott, which we yeah. come to. They didn't even try to run last night. That's the thing, man, for everyone, you know, looking to sell him immediately, like, guys, come on. It's okay. 80% snap rate still you know was a better pass from Dak along the goal line maybe a better block from Blake Jarwin away from finding his way into the end zone but whatever conversation for another day uh the Saints are really popping this week though they have the single best matchup against the Packers defense that while they have talent in Jair Alexander and Zadarius like it's just almost their scheme at some point man like you know even going back to that 2020 playoff run where the 49ers ran them you know the hell out of the uh stadium I should say 2019 playoff run NFC championship happened early 2020. Like they just haven't been able to slow down good running games. And for me, I was more concerned about Kamara and his, you know, ability without Drew Brees before the Michael Thomas injury now. And then with Latavius Murray out of the picture, we could see Kamara get that. What was it? I think it was 2019 when Ingram was suspended. Maybe it was 2018 when Mark Ingram was suspended for those first four games a couple of years ago, man, Peyton finally gave Kamara that like true 80, 90% workhorse role. And he responded with like one of the greatest fantasy stretches we've seen. So I think that is on the table for Kamara and looking at pricing. I don't feel the need to really go up to McCaffrey or cook this week. If I don't have the salary, because I think Kamara is set up well enough. Uh, and you know, he's always just has such a high floor with the receptions uh, anyway. And then also, Damian Harris in this spot, man. Miami is a were a great defense last year, but that was more so because of how good Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were on the outside, managed to create a lot of plays. A fun stat I just heard today from Eric Eager over at PFF. Like the Titans, or excuse me, not the Titans, the um, Dolphins defense was basically neck and neck with the Raiders in terms of yards allowed per play. So I think we could see that defense come back to earth a little bit in 2021. And if Damian Harris is the bell cow early down workhorse that it looks like he might be, man, well, we could be looking at this guy getting 20 carries in a good home favorite matchup, no longer playing with a quarterback who vultures him every single time they get down the goal line. So it's nerve wracking. Like I, I'm pinching my myself because it's like the first time that we've thought we've known what's going on in the new england backfield but if it can just be damian harris on early downs james white on pass downs i think we could see arguably both those guys turn to fairly consistent high-end fantasy performers there's no way bill belichick makes it that easy on Doubt it. Right? Doubt <laughs> yeah, no, no way he's like all oh, you fantasy players this is exactly what's going to happen there's no way we, we get it that easy uh, i want to look at epa too uh towards the bottom of your article that's expected points um, per play and things like that, uh, offenses and defenses. What looks like some of the most, um, you know, biggest advantages we can find here, offenses versus defense? Yeah, so this is just, again, you know, showing every offense is kind of overall advantage. And the teams that we just really see pop out, 
49ers offense against the Lions. I think both Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon are in great spots. And, you know, maybe George Kittle as well. Dude hasn't, uh, you know, been quite at 100% until now. In my, uh, for my money's worth, he is the best tight end alive when he is fully healthy. Uh, we talked earlier about the Texans, you know, not being able to use their numbers as much without Watson. But the Chiefs, to no one's surprise, are up there. I will say, though, on paper, that Browns defense, I think, has improved more than a lot of other units. So could see that one uh, being maybe a little lower scoring than some are making it out to be Ravens are set up to smash the Raiders uh, and also the Vikings are looking good against the Bengals. The biggest discrepancies between the two teams in terms of like one offense being set up way better than their opponent, the Buccaneers over the Cowboys, which I think we would have seen more uh, obvious mm-hmm. if they didn't have those uh, four turnovers uh, happen in that one. 49ers over Detroit, which I think makes sense. Chiefs over the Browns mentioned though before, and then Ravens over Raiders. So, uh, you know, good notes we here. One of the strategies I guess I found last year when doing this article that I tried to um, stick on a little bit was finding situations where a team had the EPA advantage, but they were actually underdogs. And I'm pulling up the instances of that um, this week right now. But we had a pretty nice hit rate early in the year uh, betting on those lines. So yeah, we have the Washington football team, the Giants and the Dolphins are the three teams that have the advantage in terms of EPA on their offense, but they are still uh, underdogs. And I'll, I'll say, man, I do like Washington's chances of coming away with that one. Giants versus Broncos, it's interesting to see the Giants be a home dog. I kind of agree the Broncos should be favored, but I don't know. It's week one, man. We could see what happens there. Got someone behind me. The <laughs> What's happening? I don't know. Someone's <laughs> popping in the office. It's all good. Um, then we got the and we got the Dolphins too. Yeah, man. Again, it's not ideal to going to New England. I can see how it wouldn't work for him, but hey, Mac Jones is a rookie, man. He might be getting a little bit too much benefit of the doubt at the moment. All right, keep the people behind the door until the Halloween show. Then they can come out in the Michael Myers mask and all that. That would be fun. Um, but, yeah, if you want to check out any of Ian's stuff, uh, he's over at Pro Football Focus, PFF. And I want to give a hat tip to Ian. There are a lot of good podcasts out there. We've got a lot on our Roto-Grinders feed. The single best podcast I listened to this week, it was the matchup with you and Dwayne McFarlane. Um, just an absolute schooling of statistics and thoughts broken down by two of the best Um, Go check that out over on the PFF feed if you want to uh, listen to some top-notch analysis. Uh, All right, so before we get into our best bets of the week, uh, I want to talk about prize picks. Uh, We're running a promotion over there, or either they are. Um, So from Friday morning until Chiefs kickoffs, um, they have a Patrick Mahomes yardage prop set at 0.5 yards, right? That sounds pretty crazy. So it's basically like a prop parlay site. So if you pick him with a couple of other props that you like, you're basically getting a freebie added on to all your parlays. Uh, it's easy money. Sign up for prize picks using promo code grinders for a 100% deposit bonus on up to $100 on your first deposit. Uh, week one, there's all these promotions. If you, I, I almost drove to Pennsylvania. I probably should. I get like $3,000 in free bets. If I just drove to Pennsylvania for week one, um, haven't done it yet. I might tomorrow actually, but there's all these promotions from DFS sites and things like that. Make sure you take advantage of them. And prize picks is definitely one of them. Uh, all right. So a couple of bets, sports betting obviously becomes bigger and bigger every single year. Uh, I'm just going to roll through a couple. I like this week and the Ian, the, I don't know if if I'm smart. It's definitely not that, but other people might've liked these two because I wrote all these down yesterday and they've all moved on me at least a half a point or a point. So a couple of the bets I like uh, Jaguars were minus three. I think they might be three and a half now because the the, the Texans just stink. Ian. they're, they're going to be the worst team in football by they're going to shed 
Brandon, Brandon cooks will be gone within a couple of weeks or, you know, at some point in the season, they're just trying to lose They're do tank. I think, well, I don't know if they think they're trying to lose, but they're going to lose every game. They're, they're tanking to try to get a, a high draft pick. I just don't think they're really good. Their defense is atrocious. Their offense they're They want to be a run heavy team. They're, they're trying to lose games. I think the Jaguars are about like, I feel like if we look back on this at week seven or eight, this would be like Jaguars minus seven, even on the road or something like that. So I really like the Jaguars. Uh, I like the over in that Arizona Tennessee game. I like that a lot better at 52 and a half than the 53 and a half. It sits currently. That's probably going to keep getting juiced up. So if you are looking to bet that I would recommend trying to get on that sooner rather than later. And then I like the Steelers plus seven. I think their defense gets that pressure on Josh. They're one of the few teams I think that can get to Josh Allen and aggravate him in the pocket. And I think their offense is being completely just like just throwing in the garbage. And I think their offense, they got a new offensive coordinator. They're, they're going to play actual NFL football this year. There's going to be under center, maybe Ben figured out his foot alignment. So he's not giving away plays every single time. I don't know if anyone saw that, but I think their offense is going to be pretty good. And the Steelers plus seven, even against that Buffalo high powered offense. Uh, are probably three of my favorite. I'm going to track these all year. Hopefully we come out on the good end of it, Ian. Yeah, it's, it's a good point with the Steelers. Uh, again, to bring up my uh, co-worker, Eric Eager, again, like he made the good point um, today that like this game was basically last year when they played in week 14, 15 or whatever, it was, uh, you know, Buffalo was favored by two, two and a half points. So I don't know that their 2021 rosters, you know, constitute this now added four points to uh, that disparity. So I still think the Bills win, but yeah, seven points, a little too steep for me. My top three are going to be the Vikings minus three against the Bengals, you know, mentioned just again, their ability to maybe just take over this passing game with the way the Bengals secondary is looking at the moment. And on the other side of the ball, like I understand the Vikings defense was bad last year 29th I believe ranked in scoring that was the first time in Mike Zimmer's tenure though that they were any worse than 11 so they added Patrick Peterson to Neil Hunter Everson Griffin like you know guys that maybe were a little better a couple years ago I get that but at a minimum I'm expecting the Vikings to be more of an average defense as opposed to absolutely brutal and you know I'm not putting a ton of stock into how the Bengals have, you know, reportedly looked and training camp and this and that everyone has bad practices. Jamar chase will remember how to catch a football and everything like that. Still though, we have burrow coming back first game off, you know, a serious injury and an offense that hasn't exactly proven themselves. So I just think Vikings have the advantage on both sides of the ball. I'm willing to lay those three points. Washington is now favored by one Uh, earlier. You know, I mentioned they were one point uh, underdogs. I guess that's been flipping, but yeah, this is going to be like a 10 AM game for the chargers coming all the way to the East coast playing in Washington. And I think the defensive advantage goes to Washington. They got just, you know, that never ending treasure chest of first round beasts on their defensive line. And they also added William Jackson, who I think will really give a boost to that secondary and then on offense i think it's pretty close to uh you know a potential wash as well as good as justin herbert was last year he left a little to be desired in terms of some of his more stable metrics i believe he ranked 27th out of 46 guys in pff passing grade from a clean pocket it's great we know he can you know work at work magic when there's pressure there and i think he has a long uh, great career ahead of him still wouldn't be all that surprised if he just takes a little bit of a step back in 2021 at least uh you know on paper and then finally got the ravens minus four monday night against the raiders i'm just surprised this is only at four you know the ravens i feel like just kicked the shit out of everyone in week one you know after their yearly uh, uh four game preseason winning streak they've had going on and with the raiders like i mentioned how the uh 
I think the Vikings uh, defense will be improving this year. The Raiders, I'm not really sure how you can make an argument for that. They've just been atrocious, really Derek Carr's entire tenure. And, you know, we'll see if Carr is able to, uh, you know, keep pace in a matchup like this. He was a lot better than people gave him credit for last year, but the defenses that still give him a lot of problem are ones like the Ravens that are so blitz happy. They can just force him to not really, you know, sit there and take any sort of chances downfield. So uh, we were talking a little bit uh, just before the show about, like, oh, like I was wondering why, that line is there like it's because of the running backs uh being out which would be a very bad reason for that <laughs> line to be low you did bring up a uh, rightfully losing marcus peters is significant that that hurts and it could you know be a problem for that defense to be as dominant still though i just think this game should be at six or seven based on the overall uh, ability of these teams ravens were the best team in the league last year in point differential you know it obviously didn't work out that way in the playoffs but you know they've always kind of been this bully like when they play a bad team it usually isn't close you know, we can talk about if they truly deserve to be alongside the Chiefs and you know the Buccaneers at the top of the league. But I think in matchups like this, they uh, can really get it done in a major way. Muted, good sir. First mute of the year. We're good. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, yeah. I was coughing just a second ago. Uh, so if you are watching this on the YouTube feed, uh, please give us a, uh, a like and subscribe. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. You get access to not just this show, but basically more content than you can probably physically consume over the course of a week here uh, at Roto-Grinders. So we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, let's jump into some position by position. So we're going to do some cash game talk, talk a little GPPs, a little bit of leverage and stuff like that throughout the season. So uh, at quarterback, there's a, a couple of guys I really like. You can there's some talk you can go like super cheap with like a Mac Jones or a Sam Darnold or somebody like that. Right. But I just think that's a little bit too risky on week one, especially on DraftKings, where they've just given you unlimited salary, it seems, because they've priced us just so many cheap wide receivers this week. So I think the minimum of a quarterback where I'm really looking to spend on cash games is probably Jalen Hurts going into a dome, big rushing upside. The Atlanta defense will be popular. I, I I ran across a lineup where I you can play Jalen Hurts a quarterback and you also play the Atlanta defense just because it's just they're 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 all too cheap and it lets you get studs everywhere across the rest of your lineup today. So I really like Jalen Hurts. I think he'll have some ability to do some passing as well. And if he runs one into the end zone, he's pretty much guaranteed to to get there in value. And the other one I like is Kyler Murray, specifically over Josh Allen. If you're spending today, I like the Steelers plus seven. That's not as much on the Steelers offense as it is on the Steelers defense, being able to create pressure on Josh Allen, which is really the only way to really take that Bill's passing game uh, off track. So if I am spending, I like Kyler Murray, you mentioned at the top of the show in the mismatch manifesto, the pace of that game, you mentioned he's going to have a clean pocket all game. So give me Kyler Murray over Josh Allen. If I'm spending in cash, um, that's probably the, I mean, week one seems reasonably simple to me for cash games. You never know how it's going to play out, but those are, those are basically my two targets of the week. Yeah. And with Jalen Hurts, it's just so easy to game stack that because you got Devontae Smith at 4,500, yep. Kyle Pitts, 4,400, maybe the cheapest he'll ever be priced. And then, like you said, there's so much, you know, roster flexibility. You can go on and get up to Calvin Ridley as well. So I was probably overthinking it earlier this week with the Sam Darnold at 5K. He is set up well, though. People want to go ahead and go down. I have not been on the Sam Darnold comeback train this year, but man, if he can't win in this matchup, I don't know when he's going to. Uh, this is from PFF's own Mike Renner, who brought this to my attention. But of the seven cornerbacks on the Jets roster, four are rookies, 
Two are in their second year, and absolutely zero of them were drafted higher than the fifth round. So this is bad. Darnold had like the second lowest average target depth in the preseason, which tells me I think the focus is on him just getting the ball out of his hands and getting into the playmakers that he has around them. So I do think if you want to go Darnold at 5K, pair him with Terrence Marshall, who's at 3K, DJ Moore is affordable as well. You can go that route. But to your point, I do think going with Jalen Hurts makes the most sense. We can go save money elsewhere. Probably doesn't make sense to, you know, ride or die with Mr. Donald yeah what do you like in tournaments this week uh Russell Wilson and you know I'm seeing people like now coming around and saying oh like Xavier Rhodes is out DK Metcalf to the moon like Xavier Rhodes wasn't going to stop DK <laughs> no Metcalf one stops DK in, Metcalf. in the first place exactly I mean it, you know I wrote this uh, my QB superlatives article on Tuesday but it was like Rhodes and their other outside corner TJ Carey are both 31 years old and even if they were 22 like I just like everyone in the Seahawks passing games chances pretty much against any defense when they are clicking which they were for pretty much the first half of last season so the Colts are one of these teams where they have Darius Leonard DeForest Buckner they have a strong front seven but that secondary I think really benefits from that strong front seven and when they face these teams that can you know able to avoid the rush and they have a quarterback like Russ to extend plays I think that can get them in a lot of trouble so Russ, you know, just where he's priced, I think people will be trying to get up to Kyler a little bit, maybe go down to Aaron Rodgers. I could see him coming in a little bit lesser owned than usual, and then just being able to stack him with Metcalf and Lockett. I mean, mentioned this earlier with the Vikings, where it's okay to be in a run-first offense and attack the receivers if the quarterback condenses it around two guys, and nobody did that better than Russ uh, with them last year. So the Russ-Lockett-Metcalf stack, I think could play well, man. We'll talk about this more uh, in the running back section, but I feel like a lot of tournament lineups because of Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Terrence Marshall, Callaway. There's all the cheap wide receivers. I think if you want to go cheaper at running back or even just mid-tier at running back and then pay up at receiver, it'll just you know lend yourself to some more contrarian lineups there. So that's kind of my more strategy in GPPs this week. I want to go bargain uh, diving at running back more so than receiver. Yeah, so many tournament lineups this week are going to have two if not even three of the like sub four and a half k wide receivers and it's i just think there's going to be a lot of similar roster builds so i will agree with you on that one um this sort of will tie into a couple wide receivers i talk about but a quarterback i like uh, a little bit of leverage is going to be Kirk cousins because dalvin cook is going to be fairly chalky today cousins we have a projected i'll say roster ship because you're on the show ian i've heard you've been throwing that uh throwing that around uh Whatever, for a little... yeah <laughs> I, I, I don't i don't have a strong stance on the matter but the, the old job's trying to get us to change our language with it so i'll, I'll go i'll play along on the pfs show i'll <laughs> use roster ship with you so we got kurt cousins uh he's at 6300 and this is just this is mainly leverage off of delvin cook right and you're also going to have the cincinnati receivers will be um, you know, people are using Mixon, people are using Higgins and, and players like that. Yeah, to, to turn that around and maybe get Kirk Cousins with Jefferson and Conklin, or you throw Thielen in there. Who could eat? Thielen has eight catches and two touchdowns. Does that surprise anybody week one? Absolutely not, right? And nobody's going to be using them. So Kirk Cousins uh, is probably one of my uh, leverage plays because, like you said, those condensed passing games, even if they only throw it 25 or 30 times, there's probably, you know, 70% of those are going to end up in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson's hands. So I do like uh, Kirk Cousins in a tournament this week. Uh, before we get to running backs, uh, I need to take a second to tell you about a new way to play DFS, and that is at Jock Market. Stop throwing away your money. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell players in real time for real money. 
And at the end of the night, all shares have a guaranteed payout based on fantasy point scoring. You can buy and hold, wheel and deal, or even short shares of players you feel over, overvalued. Uh, download now, you get a 100% deposit match up to $50 using promo code GRINDERS. If you're not setting a lineup, you're just trading shares of players you like. So it is very easy to figure out. Uh, all shares pay out based on player performance. And get this, if you don't turn a profit in week one, Jock Market will cover your losses in your very first event. So it really is risk-free stock market trading of sports NFL players for week one. Make sure to go check that out. Download Jock Market in the app or play stores today or check out Jock Market. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com and use code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. Uh, all right, let's jump to running back, Ian. And there's, at least for cash, I think there's a couple of ways you could go. You can literally jam in Kamara, CMC, and Cook. You can play a couple of, like, the three to 4K wide receivers. And, like, that, like you can look at it and be like, I've already won. Like, I, I think there's ways to do that. Is that the most ideal way to do it? I like that build maybe a little earlier in the week. I've come around to maybe sacrificing one of the top running backs Maybe real quick to you, how do you rank them? I think I have, at least for the salary, I think Kamara for sure is going to make a cash team. And then like between Cook and McCaffrey, I think I probably feel just a smidge safer paying a couple more bucks for Christian McCaffrey and I got Dalvin Cook third. How do you rank those three? I would say you're correct on that again it's just this could be a sneaky just blow up spot for Kamara this weekend you know just to have to go up anymore I would say though like I'm, I'm with you on Kamara I don't think we need to go all the way up to McCaffrey and Cook because I think Najee and Mixon are so mispriced yep. this week that I'm fine just doing that and then we can pay up a little bit more uh at the wide receiver position or even go from you know, I, I guess we just got to we'll talk about tight ends, but everyone's going to have Kyle Pitts. So we might yeah. as well just, you know, cross that one off. But yeah, so I just don't think we need to go all the way up to McCaffrey and Dalvin. If it works out in your roster, then like, that's fine. But I, I have Najee and Mixon just redraft as my RB6 and RB7 this week. And they're ranked on the main slate, like RB14 and RB15. Mm -hmm. Like they have the same three down roles, the other guys, even if we haven't seen it with our own two eyes this year yet. Like I could see both Najee and mixing getting in the 7k range as early as next week they're both set up well like even buffalo like buffalo was a bottom three defense last year in terms of rush attempts faced with at least eight guys in the box like that first chiefs game they invited clyde edwards alaire to run the ball as much as possible because it's 2021 and they're smart and they mm -hmm. want to worry about the pass but because of that someone like Najee could have more success than usual on the ground and even if he doesn't just like Mixon, he should still be getting plenty of checkdowns along the way. So two fine implied offenses. And yeah, I just think they're so mispriced. If you wanted to go only one of them, I lean Najee, but it, I, I just think they're both, you know, in a really good spot. Yeah. That's sort of the other builders. You sacrifice one or two of the, I think Kamara for sure is probably going to make it, but maybe then you move into the Mixon and Najee Harris is basically the other type of build that you can really fill out on DraftKings and have a good team today. So uh, I'm certainly on board with that as well. In terms of GPPs, you know, it's always hard. I do that millionaire maker article here on Roto Grinders every year, and it's really hard to find like a low owned running back that has big games. It's either pretty random and the guy's like 0.5% owned, or it's like, 
the guy is underperformed for three weeks straight and then he has a great game because we're sick of using him for a couple of weeks that was like joe mixon in week four joe mixon against the jaguars was three percent owned like hello why why was he three percent owned because he stunk for a couple of weeks but anyway uh, trying to find a little bit of low on leverage, a couple of guys I landed on. One is Derrick Henry, because one, we like that game, right, between Arizona and Tennessee, but I think we like the passing game, right? And I think you can even mix in a Chase Edmonds, who will be relatively low on too. But Henry just flips that game script a little bit down, right? Imagine he always, he goes, he carries the ball like 500 times in the first couple of weeks of every season, it seems like too. So if he gets off to a hot start, and that game, and they can't stop them, they're, they're probably just going to keep going. And that's going to slow the game down too. So that could take out some of the Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones, AJ Brown type of lineups in these ultra large field tournaments. And we, I think we only have them at about uh, 10% rostered uh, for that particular tournament today. So I like Derrick Henry. The other uh, sort of leverage play is Mike Davis. I know on the blitz, Mike Davis is getting a, a lot of love from Derek Hardy. But if you just look at what Calvin Ridley and Pitts are going to be used in these large field tournaments, that's where it's all going to. So if you use Mike Davis instead and he falls into the end zone, probably even like he's he's going to get like the he's going to get a, a bunch of work in this week. This week, if he gets into the end zone, he's probably going to have a good enough value to get there based on his amount of overall work today. Imagine if he gets into the end zone twice. That takes away some of your Pitts and Ridley scores. So I like Davis as a little bit of leverage at the running back position. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what Todd, different coaching staffs, but like Todd Gurley before their pie last year had the fourth most touches in the NFL and they signed. He, he was Mike winning Davis. millionaire makers. I look back this year and I'm like, wait, Todd Gurley. I, it's like, I totally forgot about him. Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like I'm not saying he deserved those touches, but you know, the new coach is the guy that just gave Derrick Henry freaking 400 touches. Oh. So Mike Davis, you know, has, if we, you know, you're saying we'll be, we'll be surprised if Theon has two touchdowns. We shouldn't be surprised if Mike Davis has 25 plus touches in this week yeah. because of how weak their depth chart is right now i am just going a little bit lower i kind of explained this uh, strategy earlier but again like we're expecting a lot of these rosters to have elijah moore rondale terrence marshall callaway marvin jones all these sub 4k receivers so instead of going cheap at receiver let's go cheap at running back and i think we have three prime options to do so chase edmonds only at 4600 man is just to me one of the bigger misprices of the entire uh week like i get james connor could steal some early down stuff but people you know it's 2021 it's legal for guys to score outside the top five i mean outside of the five yard line so Edmonds, just because he might not get all the goal line carries doesn't mean he can't find his way to the end zone still the projected you know 1a in this backfield and it's going to be a freaking shootout he's a pass catcher chase Edmonds at 4600 is a crime javante williams could very well be the broncos starting running back like they rested him in week three of the preseason to get melvin gordon out there royce freeman's out of the picture so worst case we're looking at someone for the minimum at running back, at least four grand. That's going to be in a two back committee and, you know, not the greatest spot against the giants, but again, we're talking GPP here and Hey, I think Javante profiles is a pretty great back based on some of his tackle breaking uh, ability that we saw, you know, in North Carolina. And then finally, Trey Sermon sitting there at only 4,500 when they used their starters in week three, Raheem Moster took the first drive and bowed out and then Trey Sermon took the second drive. So maybe it's more of a, you know, 
Mostert 60, 40, 70, 30 split. We don't know for sure, but either way, it's Mostert Sermon as one, two on the depth chart. And then this matchup against the Lions, you know, we brought up uh, in the EPA section of the manifesto, like this is one of the bigger offensive mismatches of the week. So, you know, Edmonds and Javante, again, it's not like the sexiest team you can maybe put together, but that's okay. We're trying to, you know, get a little contrarian here and take down the GPP. And I think just setting yourself up with those guys, that allows you to go get Ridley, Tyreek, and just start having these, you know, monsters at wide receiver that I think are probably just going to be under owned again because people are instead paying up for the McCaffrey's and the Kamara's of the world. Yeah, I know we did the betting thing, but if you wanted to just add a couple extra percentage points to your win, I think the biggest lock of the week is the 49ers win that game. So as if you're adding in like parlays or anything like that, um, I just like, I, I don't, they're not going to lose to the Lions this week is basically what I'm saying in any way, shape, or form. Not that that's going out on a limb. Uh, I do want to know if somehow you haven't heard of the Roto-Grinders podcast feed, uh, please subscribe to that. You get access to uh, the Swolecast. Uh, we had the Pick 6 with Reeves. I listened to Dan and the Football Guys. Uh, there's You got this show. There's everything else. Check it out on the Roto-Grinders Daily Fantasy Football Pod. Uh, subscribe to that to get access to all those shows delivered right to your phone. Uh, every single week Uh, let's jump to wide receiver and again I think there's a couple of ways to do this if you're playing if you're like team jamming the running backs the 3k wide receivers on DraftKings this week are just they're everywhere you've got the moors which which more would you rather play Ian the Jets they're without a couple of wide receivers and then you've got Rondell Moore who we know is going to basically get these manufactured touches but we're not sure is he going to play more than 50 percent of the snaps uh, I think I, I was on Rondell Moore earlier in the week with all these uh, other receivers out of the Jets room. I think I might slide to Elijah Moore being like the the 3K more wide receiver I want because I think he's going to be pretty much on the field every snap. I think you're on it. That was a concern before. It was like versus Rondale and Marshall look like Elijah could be the guy not starting in his team's yep. three wide receiver sets. But with Crowder out and how Keelan Cole just kind of questionable uh, almost out of nowhere with that knee issue. Yeah, I, th- I think it's Elijah Moore over Rondale because Rondale could you know feasibly be the number three or even four guy uh, in this pecking order, unfortunately. We'll see how it works out with those guys. And Marshall pretty clearly seems to be the number three receiver. And he could be the fourth pass game option, depending on how involved McCaffrey is. So Elijah, man, like the best thing that happened to Elijah this offseason in fantasy was him getting hurt. So I think people don't see exactly how good he was. But all the training camp reports were saying that, you know, he was legit one of the best players, if not the best player uh, on the practice field. So I would say Elijah Moore, you know, at the bottom is the guy we want to focus on. Where do you fall between Marquez Callaway versus Marvin Jones? a little bit up because it seems like Callaway is getting a lot more of the attention, but Mm -hmm. I don't know, man, like Traquan's going to be back in that offense. It's a tougher matchup. I think than what Marvin Jones and company are going after. I almost want to pay the extra one or 200, whatever it is to get up to Marvin. Yeah. I think some of the builds I was seeing were like Marvin Jones with Callaway. And then you get, you throw in Adams or Ridley or something like that. I think those look pretty good. Um, I think there's also like some, I think, that's a tough one. I think I'd Callaway's just going to be so highly owned, at, le- at least in the, yeah. the cash version and even in tournaments because he had the one preseason game. But you make his his matchup is not good at all this week. And it's Jameis Winston, who can be erratic. So right. I, I really like Kamara in that game. Kamara is where I'm going to really target. Yeah. Um, I think if I had the stones, I would play Marvin Jones over Callaway if I was debating but sometimes you need that extra couple hundred bucks. Uh, and I think Callaway, you know, you can beat your opponents elsewhere if you just kind of go along with the ride on him. I think he's fine. 
The other thing is like the, the 4K range is also jammed full of players we want to use. We've got T. Higgins. You've got Michael Pittman, who's rocketing up the uh, roster ship boards. You've got Corey Davis, who had like five, 5 million percent target percentage uh, in, the, in the preseason. And he's just, I think he's 4,900. Like what, what's going on with that? <laughs> There's so many good plays. And then, of course, you've got your Devontae Adams. And you've got your Calvin Ridley look to be like the two go-tos that people are going in cash games if you're looking to mix in a high price wide receiver. But that's pretty much the min-max or the 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 almost min-max build is sort of where uh, I think the cash game builds are going this week. Yeah, in terms of a tournament now, I just have one target I got to get off my chest. I put him down on mine too. We can agree completely on this. He's We got him at 5% right now. Keenan freaking Allen people. It's just perfect for him this week. It's the best of everything. Like Eckler is apparently practicing on Friday. So that would lead you to believe he will probably be active either way, man. Like we're just looking at an undisputed number one receiver in a good passing game in a tough matchup but because of that matchup and because of just the way the pricing uh went out like he's just being ignored pretty much people are paying 200 extra bucks for aj brown or they're going down just 100 bucks to get julio jones tyler lockett's picking up steam i think terry mclaurin is picking up steam and you can only you can go up 700 bucks and get stefan Diggs. like keenan allen is just a forgotten man when i think he has a higher target projection than all those guys i just named i mean the amount that herbert fed this dude last year was absolutely ridiculous his target totals in 11 non-injury impacted games were 19, 19, 13, 12, 11, 11, 11, 11, 10, 10. And oh my gosh, seven in one, you know, one. What a bum. What a bum. <laughs> so yeah, man, like he's priced as the wide receiver 10. DraftKings isn't like, it's not a point where like he's underpricing. I think he's priced fine enough. But again, it's just because of these matchups of the guys around him, that Cardinals Titans game, you know, people getting on Tyler Lockett now as the week goes on. It's not the best matchup, but with that said, Washington was one of the top zone coverage teams last year. And I could just see this being one of those weeks where he's just repeatedly finding these soft spots in the zone underneath and in the intermediate ranges. And then we look at the box score afterwards and we're like, oh, there goes Keenan for a hundred plus and a score or two. So all over the Keenan Allen train this week. Yeah, I like him. A couple of leverage I have, leverage plays for a wide receiver. Uh, I mentioned Kirk Cousins at the quarterback position. So I love the Vikings wide receivers, Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen, uh, they're going to be, uh, I think we've got them sub 5% currently. Everyone, you know, Del- I think Dalvin Cook's ownership is going to come down just a little bit uh, as the week progresses, but I still think the Vikings wide receiver give you good leverage. And then I like uh, I like that Carolina and Jets game. I, I don't think either defenses are all too great, but if you're looking for leverage, use the non-3K wide receivers. You know, Elijah Moore and Terrence Marshall will be drawing, uh, will end up on people's rosters, but C- Corey Davis that like looks to be the the true alpha elite number one wide receiver based on the preseason now it wasn't with without elijah moore and i know elijah moore had that great camp reviews and things like that but there's no substituting that connection that was formed with Corey davis over those first couple of preseason games so i like them you get dj moore you get robbie anderson no one's using these guys everyone's focusing on these 3k wide receivers this week so just think a little outside the box and you'll get a little bit of leverage on the field with roster construction maybe just using one 3k wide receiver or if you have the stones maybe not use any of them make more balanced builds down the middle and your lineup will look a lot different than basically everyone else's in these large field tournaments this week. Uh, moving on to tight end to close out the show. 
We know uh, Kyle Pitts on DraftKings for sure is where everyone's going. He's just $4,400. I'd expect him to be probably over like 50% owned in your average cash team. We've got him something like 20 something percent uh, for tournaments. So I think he's absolutely fine. Just an absolute freak, a unicorn. And without Julio Jones, I mean, he looks sort of like Julio Jones, you know, <laughs> in the free, he just looks really good. So um, I'll, I'll beat my opponents elsewhere. And I think I'll use him in cash. The other one I have found builds where Travis Kelsey can make it into your cash lineup on DraftKings, especially if you use the, not if you forego the high priced running back and you use the Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson type of players, um, you can get to Travis Kelsey always about the surest thing you can find at the position, but really hard to look past that Kyle Pitts price. Yeah. I initially early week, I was trying to get up to Kelsey because the dude's got seven catches in 11 straight yeah. games. Like it's just, if you can get him, you should put him in there, but Pitts at 4,400. It's to me, it's like the Najee Harris, like Joe Mixon thing. Like when the pricing discrepancy is that big, it's just like, okay, I'll, I'll eat the chalk there. Like that's just too good of a value to pass up. So I'm with you on Pitts. It gets a little more interesting in tournaments. I think a natural kind of pivot off of Pitts for those feeling frisky. I mean, you can just go down a little bit to Robert Tunyon and you can get, your Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Tunyon stack, which was, you know, a lot, putting people a lot of money last year, uh, you know, pr- pretty much week in and week out. And it's going to be a little bit uh, underexposed because Devontae, while, we, you know, all these alpha receivers will always carry a certain, uh, you know, decent level of ownership. But, you know, just compared to a normal week, I think Devontae may- maybe won't be carrying quite as steep. Rodgers is someone that's not going to be uh, ridiculously overpriced. And Tunyon's flying completely under the radar. Those are the two guys that we have learned that we want to stack with Rodgers. So in this Saints matchup, I mean, it's funny how like we looked at Ezekiel Elliott's uh, Thursday night game, which again, he was a couple things away from maybe finding the end zone once or twice. I wasn't fading Zeke because of that matchup, but a lot of people were because they were facing a great defense and they didn't have Zach Martin. I mean, the Packers don't have David Bakhtiari and they're facing the league's reigning number one defense in fantasy points per game allowed to running backs. I think Aaron Jones will be okay. It also wouldn't surprise me if we see the Packers, like the Cowboys, employ more of a pass-heavy approach to try to really take advantage of their uh, you know opponents' weaknesses more than just trying to run Jones you know, into the teeth of the best part of this defense. So the Rogers Adams Tunyon stack, I think, uh, makes a lot of sense and gets you away from some of the chalky guys. I'm trying to see if uh, Nelson Aguilar practiced today because one of my favorite leverage spots in tournaments, I haven't seen anything uh, for today's practice report, but he missed one of the good things about doing the show on Friday as opposed to Wednesday, like I used to in years past is that we actually have more information and you can make some better decisions. So I like John U. Smith because, you know, Hunter Henry was out most of the preseason. Um, you know, you got Aguilar didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. If he's out again today on Friday, I mean, John U. Bill Belichick loves John U. Smith, right? He's, he made a specific, I think it was the first free agent signing in all of football was to go pay John U. Smith a bajillion dollars. And that's what Bill Belichick decided to do. And Janu can, he can play the Rob Gronkowski or, you know, I don't know if I want to say his name and Aaron Hernandez type of role from those previous offenses. I think it's pretty fair to say he is capable of doing something like that. And there's just, there's no deep threat on this team anymore. They're going to have Jacoby Myers. I don't think, I don't even, he didn't have a TD last year. Who's going to catch some touchdowns. It's going to be Janu Smith. It's going to be Hunter Henry with Henry missing some time earlier in the year. I'm hoping uh, it could be John o. Smith in a tournament. I think his price is pretty reasonable. I like Tanyan too. He was definitely one of my plays uh, to look at in tournaments. 
Uh, I think uh, TJ Blockinson, um, you know, he, he does block a lot. You could say the same thing about uh, George Kittle too. They're, they're known for their blocking. That's why they're such so valuable to their team. But as a swerve off of pits, he's like 500 more on DraftKings. He's probably another guy. And of course you can mix in the Travis Kelsey, George Kittles. No one's going to fault you for playing those guys. Yeah. And I, I hear him. And I had a note. I just wanted to say, um, yep. Sorry. Lost it. Oh, well. Oh, well, uh, that's, uh, I think that's going to wrap up tight end. We've got a couple of minutes. We can mess around with the DSTs. I didn't really. Oh, I'm any... sorry. I got it. I, I oh, it. oh, all right. Johnny Smith. He, I think he does actually almost fit the Hernandez role. If you remember when they were really using Gronk and Hernandez, they had that great one or two year stretch with those guys at full, you know, capacity. Hernandez was actually getting legit running back snaps. And I actually found this play from early August in practice. They motioned Johnny Smith into the backfield and threw him a toss. Like we all remember that one, like 60 yard run he had against the saints a couple years ago, lined up as a pure running back. So especially with Henry banged up, I think it does make sense that John who should be considered the leader for, to lead this offense in touches. And again, man, like we, I talked about with Damon Harris, but going even if like Cam Newton himself was a better fantasy asset than Mac Jones because of how much Cam runs, like losing that dual threat quarterback helps everyone so much more. Yeah. All of a sudden you get inside the five yard line, quarterback's not vulturing you. And like scrambles aren't going to be there nearly as often for uh, Mac. He'll be throwing the ball instead. So really great news for everyone else uh, in this offense, not having Cam. All right. Uh, real quick DSTs, a couple of cash game options. I think you got Atlanta. I think Buffalo makes a little bit of sense, uh, although I think I'd just almost rather just completely punt the 2K defense just does get you there on DraftKings and it allows you to get all the skill position players that you want today. Uh, and I know you got the Broncos in there as well. You, one of the best defenses. When Peyton Manning's their quarterback next year, this team's going to be unstoppable. <laughs> Get the sheriff back there. Yeah, man. And they added to their cornerback room with Fuller. They're finally going to have healthy versions of uh, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb at the same time. And they got, you know, the most fumble like prone quarterback in the league, Daniel Jones looking across from them. I almost, man, as tempting as it is to throw. And I think in cash, yeah, like put ATL in there and, you know, save, save the salary and all that. But in tournaments, man, I almost think you should just start paying up past those bottom three guys. Cause I don't know if like anyone priced at 2,500 or above, is going to be carrying like any sort of extreme, uh, you know, ro- ro- roster ship going on as we're calling it. So Denver, even like if you can go all the way up to like New England or San Francisco or some of these guys, it's annoying. But again, if we just want to diversify our lineups a little bit, just like everyone's taking the cheap wide receivers, I think everyone's taking these cheap defenses as well. Uh, all right, I think, and I said Peyton Manning. I meant to say uh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I thought you I were just playing. Yeah, I mean, no, I meant to say Aaron Rodgers yeah. for sure. Uh, that was a, a slip. It's, of the, it's week one. Week one. We'll get, yeah. we'll get back. <laughs> uh, all right, I've had a great time doing the PFF show this week. Uh, we've got what seventeen more weeks because we've go. got we've or go. no sixteen more weeks. So it's or no, there's eighteen weeks because there's seventeen yeah. games. Seventeen so more. Seventeen more weeks. Uh, love doing the show with you, Ian. Uh, again, you can catch Ian uh, over a Pro Football Focus. You can find him on the PFF uh, podcast. Uh, you are you on XM this year? Or they got other people on XM. Other people on XM. I, I, I unfortunately you have uh, too I, much work going on. I, I love the serious XM <laughs> folks, but I am happy I got my Saturdays back this year, so right. I will be chilling a little bit more. But yeah, PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, iHeart's on Twitter, all the articles, PFF.com, and yeah, great, great to be back, man. Yeah, let's uh, have a blast. Hopefully, 
someone listening out there wins a bunch of money. Uh, you can find me at Brit underscore divine on Twitter. You can go read my millionaire maker article uh, for subscribers at Roto Grinders, looking at the top 10 lineups uh, and sort of what those lineups look like. I, th- I think Derek Carr won two or three millionaire makers last year. I know you were talking bad about him at the start of the year, how bad he is, but this is what happens in, in daily fantasy football. Weird things happen mainly when you throw it to Darren Waller, like 20 times a game and Darren Waller happens to get you there, but you can read all about what happens in the top 10 lineups in my article and, uh, I guess just good luck to everyone. Ian, it's been a blast. We're going to get out of here. Uh, Thanks for watching and listen, everybody. Uh, We out, y'all.